Hello and welcome to episode 64 of Barefooting with Sierra. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral land of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Ojibwe, and Nakota Sioux. I also would like to acknowledge that this land is home to the Métis Nation of Alberta and that I'm a settler on this land. My name is Sierra Larson, better known as Barefoot Sierra. I'm a novelist, comic creator, and independent journalist. I use they, them pronouns and have been living without shoes since 2010. I created this podcast to keep my audiences in touch with all of my projects, to talk about things I care about, and to interact with the awesome people in my various professional networks. I break this podcast up into four parts, novels, comics, journalism, and barefooting, each representing a different aspect of my professional life. In this episode, I interviewed barefoot meteorologist Malika Dudley. Let's get started. First up, novels. My novel Red 72 Revelation is now available on Amazon, on Kindle, paperback, and audio. My New Year's resolution this year was to read one book from the Texas Band Books list each week. It has been a long time since I have posted an episode, so forgive me if I have posted the review of this book already. Um, my think where I'm at for reviews is Ivy Aberdeen's Letter to the World, a middle grade novel about family, art, and coming out. I thought it was a super cute book and I honestly couldn't find anything in it that I could think to justify why it could be on a ban list. It definitely was targeted because it's about a girl having a crush on another girl. In novel news, Visit Scotland, as part of their celebration of the Year of Stories, teamed up with Scottish writer and Scots language expert Alastair Heather to translate the first lines of famous Scottish authors' books into Scots. One of those books was J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which, however you feel about her, turfy and all, is one of the most recognizable books on the list, so is the one I chose for my English versus Scots. So, here goes. In English, the first line reads, Not for the first time, an argument had broken out over breakfast at number four Privet Drive. In Scots, it reads, No for the first time, a rammy had broke out over breakfast at number four Privet Drive. Just translating the first sentence seems kind of pointless to me, honestly. It would be like translating the first sentence of some famous American novels into Ebonics. I'd be interested in seeing a completed full translation. A Long Island, New York public library has reversed its ban on LGBTQ displays and books after an investigation was launched by New York Governor Kathy Hochul. On June 21st, the library board voted to remove a pride display and books but LGBTQ identities from the children's section of the library. The New York Library Association denounced the decision and Governor Hochul launched a bias investigation. In an emergency meeting, the board reversed the decision with a four to two vote. The pride display will remain up until July 15th or longer if the board decides it will serve the public interest to remain up. In a statement, the board said, quote, we know that a good library will contain things that may trouble each of us, but understand that our primary role involves representing many different viewpoints and opposing ideas. We do this by giving voice and space to each, end quote. Hopefully they have learned from this. Now on to comics. It has been a long time since my last podcast episode, and since then a lot has happened in my personal life, many of it reflected in my comics. My latest works have been pride art pieces, drawing different animals in various pride flag colors. You can see them all on Instagram at World of Possums or on Facebook Possum Pete Comics. In comics news, 
the Edmonton Elks football team are getting their own comic strip. Toronto-based writer Bill Yu and artist Tishon Dwyer will post a new strip to the Elks Facebook and Instagram pages prior to each home game this year. Elks president Victor, hope I'm saying this right, Cui, it's C-U-I, Victor Cui, told the Toronto Sun, we're using these comic strips as a way to reach new segments of fans who otherwise might not engage with our team or know the history of our club. The comics will de depict former Edmonton players Jed Roberts and Henry Gizmo Williams. I'm excited to see the comics and I'm looking forward to see what else this new president will bring to Edmonton as the new president of the Elks since January 2022. Netflix released a trailer for their adaptation of Neil Gaiman's comic book series The Sandman published by DC Comics and later Vertigo Comics from 1989 to 1996. Netflix's trailer had me like, yes, can't wait. It had lots of other people asking what took so long. Turns out Neil Gaiman himself is the reason we didn't have any seasons of The Sandman, like as a TV show or any sort of movies anytime sooner. There've been previous attempts to adapt The Sandman that he shut down. Gaiman told Total Film, Howard the Duck became a bad joke. I never wanted that to happen to Sandman and I saw scripts that would have made that happen. I 100% respect the author's creative control in adaptations. I myself have turned down publishing deals that would have seen me relinquish creative control in film adaptations, if that were to ever, you know, come to pass. Major kudos to both Gaiman and the industry for having the integrity to make this the right way instead of putting out a terrible cash grab, a la Howard the Duck. All right, next up is journalism. Trigger warning, I am going to be discussing uh, sexual assault. So if you would like to skip that, fast forward about five minutes. So in current events, I have a news piece that I don't want to get any of the details wrong. So I'm going to just read you the article from Pasadena Star News. So the title of this article is Alhambra Unified School District agrees to pay $750,000 to settle suit, a legend girl was bullied, sexually abused. The Alhambra Unified School District has agreed to pay $750,000 to settle a lawsuit brought on behalf of a girl, now 11 years old, who was allegedly bullied by male third graders at her elementary school in 2019 and sexually abused by one of them in a restroom. Lawyers for the plaintiff, identified only as Jane Doe of Montgomery Park in the Los Angeles Superior Court lawsuit, filed court papers on June 16th with Judge Jill Feeney seeking approval of the accord during a hearing set for July 13th. Lawyers for the district argued that Doe, quote, did not take reasonable precautions to avoid or reduce her alleged damages, end quote. The suit filed in May 2020 alleges that in fall 2019, the girl was regularly bullied by a group of third grade boys at Garfield Elementary. The boys' alleged behavior escalated over time even after the girl's parents complained to the school administration and staff, the suit alleges. During school hours, a group of the male students allegedly ordered her to choose who among them she preferred to have sex with, threatening to make her twerk on a lunch table if she did not decide, the suit alleges. Quote, confused and not understanding what sex or twerking was, Jane Doe told the boys she picked her mom, end quote. The boys responded by mocking, berating, harassing, and embarrassing the girl, the suit states. 
After learning what happened to her daughter, the girl's mother contacted the school administration and joined Doe's father in meeting with the staff in October 2019, with both asking that their daughter not be allowed to play with one of the boys who had harassed the plaintiff, the suit says. But the same month, the girl was, quote, viciously attacked, end quote, and pushed down some stairs, according to the suit, which says she had to be taken to the hospital and was diagnosed with a concussion. The girl's mother again contacted the school and told the staff what happened and said she did not feel her daughter was safe if allowed to interact with the boys accosting her, the suit states. Joe and her mother, as well as the principal, subsequently signed an AUSD growth achievement plan stating there would be no further contact between the plaintiff and a group of boys, according to the suit. None of the boys was suspended or disciplined as a result of their behavior. And nothing was done by the school administration or staff, quote, to stop the systemic bullying and sexual harassment, end quote, of the girl, the suit alleges. One of the boys used the conflict to confuse the plaintiff and pretend to act as her protector, manipulating her into spending time with him while at the same time demeaning and bullying her, according to the suit. During a school lunch break, the girl was in a restroom when the boy walked in and ordered her to open a stall door, telling her, quote, that they were going to have sex, end quote, the suit states. The boy later warned the girl that if she told anyone, quote, she would go to jail, end quote, the suit alleges. Over the next two days, the boy forced the girl to go with him to the girl's restroom three times and on two occasions sexually abused her, according to the complaint. The girl became withdrawn and visibly upset, yet the school staff failed to learn of the sexual abuses or prevent the boy from going into the restroom with the girl, the, school's, the suit states. After seeing some, quote, alarming changes in her daughter, end quote, the mother spoke with the girl, who told her about the alleged sexual abuse. The mother called the police, who went to the school and spoke with the girl. The suit alleges that Doe suffered a traumatic brain injury and that she has dealt with depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, learning difficulties, difficulty focusing, and mood swings since the alleged bullying and sexual abuse. I am disgusted that the district tried to blame this girl who would have been eight or nine years old at the time this happened and also has a traumatic brain injury. How dare they claim she didn't do enough to protect herself? Victim blaming much? The adults in this situation have a duty of care. Sadly, I'm not surprised about the situation. I was molested by a staff member at my elementary school in California when I was in grade three. When my mom tried to discuss this with the principal to get a safety plan in place, the principal first dismissed my accusations as false and then said, I must have just misunderstood what the intentions were. I'm mad that things didn't appear to have changed much in California elementary schools in the more than two decades since then. My mom didn't sue the district. She pulled me out of school and homeschooled me. This mom absolutely did the right thing by suing. Hold them accountable. The school knew what was happening and had a duty to protect, but didn't. In another case of hold them accountable, two frat brothers at University of Missouri, Columbia, also known as Mizzou, have been charged with misdemeanors and felonies um, after a fraternity pledge that was left blind, paralyzed, and brain damaged. Ryan Delante and Thomas Schultz, both members of the Phi Gamma Delta fraternity, forced pledged Daniel Santuli to clean their bedrooms, bring them food, alcohol, and marijuana. That's the tame part. They also forced him to climb into a garbage can containing broken glass, resulting in such severe injuries that he needed stitches and had to use crutches to walk. After hearing about this incident, Daniel's family urged him to quit, 
but he didn't want to drop out of the pledge process after making it so far. Tragically, the hazing got even worse. On the 19th of October, 2021, Ryan Delante gave Daniel a liter bottle of vodka and told him to drink it. All of it. Another unnamed frat brother forced Daniel to drink beer from a funnel. Daniel objected to all of this, but was unable to resist. Not until he became unconscious and fell to the ground with blue lips did they stop. He was not breathing and his heart had stopped. Frat members drove him to the hospital where he was revived and placed on a ventilator. But to this day, he is unable to communicate and is generally unresponsive and unaware of his surroundings due to severe brain injury. Phi Gamma Delta has been banned from the university, and Mizzou said they disciplined 13 students in connection with this incident, but did not give any details of the discipline. Delante and Schultz are currently out on bond awaiting trial. I want to see every single frat member who was there that night charged with, at the very least, felony hazing, because they participated by association. The Santuli family's lawyer called this the worst ever hazing injury. And while this might be the worst ever hazing injury that someone has survived, people have died from hazing. Hold them accountable. Last but not least, let's talk about barefooting. My barefoot adventures this week took me all the way to Salt Lake City. I got to spend time with my family, attend a book launch for some internet friends, and visit Red Butte Gardens, which has been on my dream travel list for years. If you ever get the chance to visit Salt Lake, definitely check out Red Butte. There are miles and miles of walking trails through all sorts of different types of gardens. Medicinal plants, a rose garden, an aromatic garden, natural woodlands, water-wise yard landscaping. I was there for almost five hours, and of course I was barefoot the whole time. I definitely recommend Red Butte Gardens. And now for my interview with barefoot meteorologist Malika Dudley. Hi, Malika. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. It's great to have you here. If you could tell the listeners a little about yourself, where you're from, and how you got started as a meteorologist. Sure. Well, as you said, my name is Malika Dudley. I'm originally from the island of Hawaii. It's also referred to as the Big Island. So the Hawaiian Islands are made of eight different main islands. And that's the biggest one that's all the way to the south. But right now, I live on Maui. So now I live on the island of Maui, which is in the center of the state. It's probably the one that is most recognizable is the island of Maui. Um, People love to come here on vacation. Um, And the way I started out in meteorology was actually kind of by accident. I was Miss Hawaii about... Oh gosh, I'm going to date myself, but it was in 2005. So a long, long time ago. (laughs) And I got a little bit of experience in the media industry. And from that, and just kind of meeting the right people at the right place, which happened to be a nightclub. (laughs) Yes, true story. The entire newsroom was celebrating. They were about to start a new morning show. My dad happened to know the chief meteorologist at the, this news station. And he took me into a dark corner of the nightclub. I'll never forget it. And he said, your dad told me you might be interested in television. And so, you know, I thought I should introduce you to some people brought me over to the news director, introduced me to the marketing director. I got their cards. I was a elementary school French teacher at the time. So completely out of my wheelhouse. I mean, 
I didn't even watch the news. So if I was watching the news and I watched the weather, I would be one of those laymen that you would have to talk to like a kindergartner in order to understand <laughs> what was happening. And it just kind of went from there where I, I met with him, the news director, and he asked me to come back and read with the main anchor, which was, I was so starstruck. And then they had me go on the weather wall and I'll never forget it because the meteorologist was sitting beneath the camera. And when you do weather and you put out like your right arm, it looks like your left arm is going out. And so it, it is a little confusing. And he was telling me what to do. And so I'm on the, the weather wall and he's, you know, whatever comes up because he created the show and I'm like, what is that? And he goes, satellite. <laughs> like here's, here's the satellite <laughs> tap, tap, walk to the other side, click, click, you know, the next thing comes up and it's radar. And I'm like, Jeff, what's that? <laughs> he goes, radar. It shows rain. And mind you, I'm wearing a microphone. They're recording all of this. I mean, it's so embarrassing, but then surf came up and I'm a surfer. And so I was able to really riff off of that surf forecast. And for some reason that coupled with my, my resume that I submitted told the GM and the news director enough about me that I was a hard worker, that I could learn, um, that after four interviews, they offered me the job and, and the rest is history. You know, I trained on the job. I enrolled immediately in a program, the broadcast meteorology program over at Mississippi state. And that's a three-year program and the rest, as they say, is history. So why Mississippi State from Hawaii? And I'm guessing maybe that was an online program. Like, how did that work out? Yes, you are correct. <laughs> this is the the program that even Canadians, um, we had, had several Canadians in my class, my graduating class. Um, it's the program that most television weather anchors will enroll in because it is distance learning and you get a really good overview of everything you might need to know about in order, because what we are the messengers, right? If I'm on television, I am the messenger. The experts that are in the National Weather Service offices, they are the ones that have all the real fancy equipment, right? I've got, you know, satellite, radar, I've got some things, but I don't have what they have. So I have to understand what they put out. So when they put out their discussion, their forecast discussion, I need to be able to read that and be able to translate that into layman terms for everyone to be able to understand. And the goal of my job is to make sure that people understand it, number one, but the ultimate goal is to make sure that they stay safe, to be able to come on and say, okay, this is what you need to know. This is how this event impacts you. And this is what you need to do in order to stay safe. Excellent. Yeah. I don't have any experience with meteorology other than the tour of a news station we took when I was like in grade three. So, you know, getting to learn more about this, this is very exciting for me. And I do remember they told us that, you know, it's, it's different what they're doing and what their experience is as a person, you know, on the, the weather screen versus what people on the TV see. And from what I understand, you broadcast the news barefoot. Can you tell us a bit about that? 
Well, okay. When I was in studio, it was a little more, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say it's important, but I, when you wear heels, you can hear the clicking. And so I just kind of, and also I'm from Hawaii (laughs) and I just feel more grounded and more myself when my shoes are off. So there were multiple reasons for why I did the weather barefoot. Um, but for some reason, it was always something that people would comment on if they came into the studio and it was something that people found endearing. So I was like, okay, well, I'll take it. You're the barefoot newscaster. (laughs) Own it. I love it. So you've done so much in your life. Like you were, um, you know, Miss America contestant, you taught French, you've done all kinds of things. You've also been a stunt double. Can you tell us about that? Oh, well, that was crazy. This is the, um, the, it's the people, you know, (laughs) you know, I mean, I, one of my best friends is a movie stunt double director. And for many years, when I lived on Oahu, because I live on Maui now, Oahu is where all the news stations are. It's where our biggest city is, Honolulu, where we have, you know, a million plus people that live there. And um, every day I would do weather. And then afterwards I would jump in the car for an hour with one of my best friends, Lanai, and we would drive out to the West side to this beach called Makaha. And we would meet up with this friend, Brian Kilana, who happened to be, you know, a risk management expert. He used to be the chief of ocean safety. So all the lifeguards, um, across the island of Oahu, and he would basically teach us the ins and outs of the water. And it was such an amazing experience for me. I mean, I towed into my first big wave with him. I crossed the Molokai channel on a stand-up paddle board along with a team of of four of us. Um, I was one of four, you know, we did some pretty crazy once in a lifetime type of things. And every now and then he would get on a movie or a show and need a stunt double that looked like me. (laughs) And so I got to be on entourage. That one was really cool because I really didn't have to do stunts. Basically. I just had to ride on the back of a jet ski. I mean, um, and you get paid pretty well for, for doing this job as well. But what happened on this stunt quote unquote, um, is that eight whales came up to us. It was phenomenal. I mean, I still haven't found this footage. I probably should go and watch every season of Entourage (laughs) just to find the footage because it was breathtaking. Absolutely amazing. You know, you're not supposed to approach humpback whales, but if they approach you, you're allowed to just kind of idle. And that's what we did. And it was unbelievable. Now on the flip side of that, I also did a stunt for this movie. It was an independent movie. It was called, you may not kiss the bride. I don't know if you guys remember Maybe I'm not sure if in Canada, you follow American, um, you know, reality type stuff, but American idol had a singer called Catherine McPhee. So she's now Catherine Foster. And I think her husband's name is David Foster, um, married to him now. But she kind of, we kind of look alike. We have the same color hair. We're about the same height, same skin color. And so, and it was a low budget. (laughs) So he couldn't get like the best stunt doubles. So he was like, Lika, do you want to be a stunt double for Catherine McPhee? I'm like, well, and, and this is the thing about this friend. 
I trust him with my life. I really do because he is an expert. He's an expert at what he does. He's kind of a genius and I know he loves me. And so I know he would never do anything to hurt me. And so I just said, yes. And we practiced a couple of the stunts. One of them was sliding down this like kind of cliffy embankment. And he took this 50 gallon drum and sawed it in half and used it as a sled. (laughs) And so he did it first and they completely wiped out over and over again. I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Like I'm going to (laughs) die. And, you know, eventually when we did the stunt, it was actually okay. And they had made this like divot in, in the grass, in the script, we were supposed to be sliding on a banana leaf. (laughs) All right. Let's see how that works out for you in real life. So we were still on this sled that was covered in banana leaves. Um, and that stunt went okay. The one before it is why it just went okay. Because the one before it was something that I was not prepared for. I knew I was going to be in a vehicle that was going to be doing stunt driving, but I had no idea until I showed up that I was going to have to be jumping out of this vehicle as it's careening downhill and on fire. So (laughs) Brian and his stunt crew start putting this like gel all over me. And I'm going, what are you doing? They're putting up my nose, on my hair, down my back. Mind you, my outfit is, it's literally her outfit was a bikini and a cover up. And what they did for me was they created this flesh colored wetsuit and put the bikini over it and the cover over that. So that was all the protection I had for my body. And he's, they're putting all this gel all over me. And I'm like, what is that? What are you doing? And they're like, it's fuel retardant. <laughs> yeah. Like, why do we need that? <laughs> oh, cause the, they didn't tell you the Jeep is on fire. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Don't lean in Malika. Make sure you're leaning out because there are explosives in the middle of the Jeep, Right. And my, my cover-up had giant holes in it. It was one of those like knitted cover-ups and they're like, make sure you don't get attached <laughs> as you jump out. So I'm completely panicked, but I already, you know, I, I committed to this. We're literally on set. Catherine McPhee is watching me. Like <laughs> I have to do this. They have two Jeeps because, so we had two shots at doing this correctly. And they're like, okay, do you know how to roll? And I'm a black belt in karate. So I know, you know, certain things. And I guess that's how I got my foot in the door with the stunt stuff. But I've never rolled, jumped out of a moving vehicle and rolled. And so we were practicing this roll. You watch the footage. I did not roll. I just jumped right onto my knee (laughs) and I injured it immediately, um, unfortunately. And what was really crazy was my indication for when to jump was a rock. (laughs) Literally, Brian put a rock out and he said, when the Jeep gets to the rock, jump. (laughs) So (laughs) I get to the rock, I jump, I hurt my knee. But then I hear Brian, who I know his voice so well, because he's one of my best friends, right? And I hear him screaming, Brock, Brock, Brock was the name of the driver who was the other stunt double. He was playing the other lead. And 
this, the way he screamed his name was with this terror that I'd never heard in my life. And so in that moment, I had to really quickly assess the situation and determine what I was going to do. And so I'm like, okay, is there danger? (laughs) Clearly there's danger, but you know what I mean? Is there danger above of what (laughs) I was supposed to do? (laughs) And I'm looking around and I see Brock through the smoke running down the hill, which is what we were supposed to do. So I'm like, okay, he looks fine to me. I don't want to do this crap again. (laughs) So I'm going to continue the scene. (laughs) So now the Jeep ran rams into this tree explodes. I have to run past this exploded Jeep, which I know has explosives in it. Who knows if all of these explosives have already gone off or not. Right. Um, I run past it. Fortunately, no incident. I reach Brock, we hold hands and we continue running. And I'm like, how far do we have to run? My knee is killing me. Like I'm literally limping. And he's like, just, let's just run to the trees because like, until we're out of frame, because we don't want to do this again. And I was like, oh yeah, good idea. (laughs) So that was that stunt. And then I had to do the other one with my knee completely injured. Oh yeah. So in a nutshell, I have done stunts. Yes. And they totally qualify as actual stunts. (laughs) Sounds like you really embody the, um, the motto of my life, do as much as you can for as long as you can. Mm, And now you've started a podcast. Can you tell us about that? Oh, yes. Um, So I'm kind of one of those jack of all trades, master of none people. I do pretty well at a lot of things, um, but I wouldn't consider myself an expert in any one thing, you know? Um, Yeah. So my podcast, what's really interesting about this is that I started in the field of the scientific study of human communication back when I was in my twenties, you know? So right before I became Miss Hawaii, I was in my master's program and really excited to get my degree in this discipline. But then I met those people at the nightclub and and enrolled in the BMP program, BOMP program, and my life just took a complete 180. And so I I, I went all in on that, right? I mean, if I'm going to be doing weather, I want to do it well. I don't want to be just a weather anchor. I want to be a meteorologist. So I enrolled in school. I did all the things you're supposed to do. Then I got pregnant and I resigned from news because I wanted to move home to the big Island. And unfortunately there are no news stations on the big Island. And so I I moved home and I ended up doing digital news for a very long time, like seven years. I was the chief meteorologist for this online um, platform called Maui now and big Island now. And, and then I lost my job due to COVID back in March of 2020, like so many of us. Right. And I just so happened and here everybody went, okay, this is like totally off the topic of the question you asked me. I totally understand that (laughs) I'm I'm getting there. I just, you know, everybody was not in the studio. They were all working from home. And so my news director, my current news director had this idea of, oh my gosh, why can't we hire Malika who lives on Maui to do our weather? She could do it from home. Everybody else's. And so I've been working for KITV now for more than 18 months. And I've only been in studio one day. And so that's been just this blessing, this, you know, silver lining to the COVID pandemic. 
So in the meantime, right? So masters started 17 years ago. Um, when right before COVID hit, I decided that I wanted to go back to school. I just kind of hit this low point in my life where I was questioning, you know, my purpose and who do I want to be? Who am I, you know? And I always thought about that master's degree and it wasn't just about finishing the master, you know, finishing what I start. It was really about the fact that the study of human communication, it ignites me. It, I'm so interested in it and I always want to learn more. It just, it's just something that I know I'm passionate about. And so I threw the question out into the universe and I absolutely expected doors to slam, 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 slam. Instead, doors went swing open, 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 open. And now I found myself in this position of like, oh my gosh, if there's no boundaries and I have to do this. So, you know, cause again, I don't live on Oahu where the university is. I had two children at the time. I mean, I'm a meteorologist, so I'm working and for some reason, it just, everything worked out. I ended up flying back and forth once a week. I was, um, it was, you know, it was pretty intense to go through graduate school while being a mom and working and, and all of that. But, um, it was so rewarding and the COVID pandemic hit right in the middle of all of that. And so I had to pivot from a documentary that I was hoping to produce and film and put out into the world. It's my thesis project to a podcast. <laughs> it just felt like a natural next step. Everybody was starting podcasts <laughs> during this time. Um, and it felt like the perfect platform for me as a media professional, as a you know veteran broadcast journalist, to be able to use my skills in that area of, of editing, producing, writing, scripting, interviewing, but also to use those skills to help people to understand this thing that I'm so passionate about, the science of human communication. And that's what my podcast is all about. So my thesis project and paper, my paper was 75 pages long, more than 24,000 words, you know, all about how to make an effective podcast and an educational podcast. What does the research um, say about, you know, all of that? And it was I mean, it was amazing. And so I just launched in August of 2020 and we launched at number 13 in the U.S., which was just blew me away in social sciences. And since then, we've been in the top 15 in Russia and Poland and Japan and South Korea. And it's been so rewarding to, and by the way, I found all of that out randomly, right? I, like <laughs> I, I Googled the podcast one day and I'm like, what? Ah! <laughs> um, but you know, people are resonating with this because it, it, it's a universal topic. Everyone wants to know how to communicate better. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the grad school as a mom thing. Totally get it. I, I did that with, with a baby and it was an online program, but my, my family was like, why are you getting this useless degree in British literature? <laughs> my thesis project was uh, a lecture series on the different formats of adaptations of Lord of the Rings, which was so fun. I loved it. But yeah, what, what was going back to school, you know, like the challenges versus rewards like for you? 
oh, well, same as you. My family was kind of like, okay. (laughs) You know, my friends, um, I had one friend who actually said, why would you do that? (laughs) Like, oh my gosh. But also fortunately for me, my, my immediate family, my husband and my children, I mean, my children are still young. They're right now they're six and nine. So at the time, you know, they were four and uh, seven. Um, They've been so supportive. I mean, from the beginning, my husband was just like, you should do it, do it. And he has definitely picked up the slack on the things, the downside, which is that I had less time, you know, I had less time for everything, for being a mom, for, you know, being present. I I was pretty stressed out um, a lot of times, especially when a paper was due or, you know, near the end of the semester. Um, But graduate school, as you know, is really intense. And so every week it felt like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. Well, the interesting part was that prior to COVID, when I was flying back and forth, which you would think like maybe the flying back and forth would be an extra stressor, but that actually was a relief because once I was away from my distractions and my children and all of my responsibilities, I was really able to focus on what I needed to do right there in that moment. And I was able to kind of like get that work done. Once COVID hit, I mean, yes, it was fabulous to not have to fly back and forth anymore. I definitely saved a lot of money, (laughs) a lot of time, but so much more difficult to be home and to stay on task. And then you add to that the fact that both of my kids were now homeschooling. Um, It it was intense. For sure. I did most of mine with my two-year-old on my lap. So (laughs) yeah, very intense, very intense. Um, so the name of your podcast, Communification, how did you come up with that? Obviously the communication, but there's a bit of a twist on that. There is. And many times I've thought, why did I do that? <laughs> just, just from the like podcasting side of it, <laughs> right? It's not a searchable term, <laughs> all of that stuff. I mean, I really thought I'd shot myself in the foot, but you know, as the ratings have shown, I, I guess it's okay. <laughs> but the way I found it was, you know, through this thesis project process, I had to figure all of this stuff out. And so I actually did a Google search and I came up with a giant list of possibilities for this idea that I had for my podcast and what could describe it best. And that's why communication was picked because the Urban Dictionary defines communication as the beautification of communication, but also the unification of community. And those two things are exactly the goal of this podcast. So the way that I formatted my my podcast, originally it was supposed to be one episode, but you know, you know, as a podcaster, it's better to have more episodes rather than less and shorter episodes. And so pretty quickly, I realized I, I put out the first episode and it was an hour or so long. Um, and then I thought, okay, no, from now on, I'm just going to split them into two. So the two parts are first, we learn from the expert. So for example, one of the topics was deception. So I interviewed the world's number one, most renowned expert on deception and human communication. I mean, this guy, his work has been the subject of Malcolm Gladwell's books, right? Talking to strangers, 
so really informed, educated, um, really knows the stuff inside and out. So I'll interview this deception expert, but we'll really take it down. And again, now it's going back to the weather thing, right? And being a TV personality. So I take this expert stuff that he's giving me and I need to put this into layman's terms. I need to make this understandable to anyone so that you can actually take something out of this and let's give people research-based strategies for if they encounter something like the topic, which was deception. So it it might seem a little to communication um, scholars, it might seem maybe a little bit, you know, elementary, if you will. Um, But I haven't heard that from any communication scholars, actually. They, I, gosh, it's been amazing to hear from these doctors of this and that, just how much they enjoy the podcast. That's been really awesome to hear. But, you know, the the whole point is to make it understandable to everyone. So we defined deception. We talk about the different ways that we can be deceived. What are the benefits of deception? What are the downfalls of deception? How do we deal with when someone deceives us? Or why is it that we have chosen to deceive others? Just all of these questions, right? So the whole point of this expert interview is to get us to those research-based strategies, which we end with. But the hope is that this podcast, after you listen to it, that you go straight to someone else and you go, I got to talk about this. (laughs) Let's discuss this. Let's have deep conversations about topics that really matter, right? And so- Hopefully people are doing that at home. I've heard they are. So that's been a a really amazing part of this process is hearing the feedback from the listeners. But then in the second part of the podcast, so the next episode that follows, let's say the deception episode, I'll have a friend on. So in this case, it was Mika Miyashima. She's our KITV4 News evening anchor. So our main anchor in the evenings had her on to talk about what we learned. So my guests actually have to listen to that last episode. And we come off of that to discuss our own issues in that area, how we felt about what the researcher said. Do we feel that's an accurate representation of how we've experienced deception in our lives? Tell our own stories so that listeners can feel less alone because it's all about the unification of community as well. I got to my lowest point because I felt alone. And I shared on social media and, you know, on Instagram, especially. And whenever I would share my low moments, I always felt so vulnerable and like, probably shouldn't be doing this. But the feedback that I got from people about how it helped them made me keep doing it. This podcast is like an elevated version of that, if you will. And it's been so great to have my guests on and, and have a deep conversation with, and, you know, I mean, I would probably never bring up that topic to my, my girlfriend, Mika, right. We would just talk about office politics and, uh, or whatever the newscast is going to be tonight. What should we lead with? <laughs> right. But to have a deep conversation about these, you know, sometimes really traumatic and hurtful moments and how we move through them and how we can use these strategies to better our lives is so rewarding. And to bring the listeners along the ride for that is it's just amazing. I love that. It's been so great chatting with you, Malika. Where can people find your podcast and connect with you online? Well, as we just discussed, communication is kind of a hard word to spell. So just search for me, (laughs) go to Apple podcasts or any podcast 
playing platform, anywhere that you listen to audio and you can search Malika, M-A-L-I-K-A, Dudley, D-U-D-L-E-Y, and find that there. Or you can go to my website, MalikaDudley.com. Excellent. That's all for this episode. I'll be back in the next episode with an interview with actress Gloria Garayua. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to Sierra the Barefoot Girl at gmail.com. Thank you to Legion X for my intro and outro music. You can find me on Twitter at Sierra Barefoot, on Instagram Sierra the Barefoot, and on TikTok at Sierra is Barefoot. All of my books are available on Amazon and on my website SierraTheBarefootGirl.com. My Patreon is patreon.com slash possumpete. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. Until next time, this has been Barefooting with Sierra.